0: No one covers Manchester United quite like the Manchester Evening News and through our MUFC Pro app, you can support our journalism and become part of our United community getting the best experience ad-free, pop-up free and distraction free as well giving you the best news and interviews, great features and much more Now is the perfect time to subscribe as we've just launched a special New Year offer which includes MEM Premium for just £12 for 12 months Download the app and get started today Hello and welcome to a new podcast from the Manchester is Red team at uh, the Manchester Evening News. This is a midweek podcast that we'll be bringing you throughout the January transfer window, maybe even beyond that, if it goes well. So that's an early plug for you to uh, leave a review and a like and let us know some feedback on it. I'm Rich Fair, joined by Tyrone Marshall today, an audio-only podcast Ty, so yeah. Good choice of clothes for you, the uh, green and gold mankini, I, I'm liking that. I'm obviously in my in my tuxedo, because why would you not wear a tuxedo for a podcast? Um, the Manchester is rough, ready podcast, I think, time. We're going to look through transfer gossip, we have got to take a look back, maybe briefly, at your trip to Wigan on Monday night, I have a brief look at Tottenham this weekend as well. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, it's nice to be in the podcast, it's just you and me, be the, the old times, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you would say that, wouldn't you, after Sunday, Rich? There, there is some suggestion that you have invented this pure Cut podcast purely to be able to, to rob in what happened on on Sunday. For those who, who aren't aware, our, our two lower league football teams who are fierce rivals, I think it would be fair, fair to say, after the weekend. I, I'd liken it to sort of
0: United versus Leeds, do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. R- yeah Rex yeah, versus we Shrewsbury. Yeah.
0: We've both got more local rivals, but there's a real venom to it, and my word, what what a day out that was
2: for me. Yeah, you left yeah. early, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, mean, I doubt anyone's seen it, but we missed a full of chances. Wrexham scored a scruffy goal with one of their their few attacks, I would say, and when we missed a second similar chance in stoppage time, I think with about thirty seconds left, I just stormed out, and the final whistle went as I reached the um, the toilets in the in the meadow, and I just I just kicked the toilets in frustration and. Yeah, it was, a, it was an annoying game. Like you say, a good a good day out though. Some the two o'clock kickoff, so I think it was fair to say we used our day off well with some um, some early starts on the drinking front. What time do you start drinking? Uh, Ten forty-five. Nice. Mine was yeah. half nine. Oh, solid start. A solid start. Let's hope our bosses are listening to this. Oh no! Was... Well,
0: we didn't say what we were drinking, so we, you know water, water is replenishing. Um, Absolutely. FA yeah. Cup fever, though. Coffee. You, you were there though on on Monday night. What was that like at Wigan? Because United fans will have said they got a, a really good away day as well. Loads of fans there.
2: What did you make of the the DW? It's the best thing about the FA. In a way, the best thing about the FA Cup. Um, and certainly at this at this level, that you sometimes get those massive away attendances. And um, you know, there's you look at the Newcastle fans at Sunderland. I'm sure you want to know about it. Won't want to hear about it. But the Liverpool fans <laughs> at Arsenal. The United fans at Wigan, you're getting six, seven, eight thousand tickets for the away game that you just don't get in the Premier League, and that is one of the beauties of the FA Cup that you do get these massive away ends. We've seen United give it to, you know, give give, give supporters, give away fans, huge fans, middle of the fans, had loads there when they won a couple of years ago, and it makes for amazing atmospheres. it? oh yeah, the United fans were, were absolutely sensational. We were. We were right opposite them. They had the side of the pitch. You used to be behind the goal at Wigan, I seem to remember, but it was the, the whole mm. side of the pitch.
0: Yeah, day. I remember when United won the league there. It was on the Friday of the season. I remember it to remember gig yeah. scoring. like 07 yeah. or
2: 8, 08, and they all yeah, behind that goal. off they be behind the goal. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether it's now that Wigan just give 7,000 in the FA Cup across the side, but yeah, I mean, it looked a phenomenal away end. And you can tell it's a good away end. And the central area is right opposite us. You could not see the concourse. It was just there was empty seats in the far <laughs> corners, and just people piled into the centre of the the concourse. So yeah, it looked like it looked like a bon away end. It would be fair to say. Do you get a good any good food at Wigan? I know people are interested to you know what sort of food we get as
0: journalists. And when I w- when I did the Wrexham game on Sunday, those people didn't were actually shocked that we get fed because um, I guess especially at lower league level, it's not a thing. But Wigan, any
2: good pies? Couple of pies, um, yeah. There were some pie options. I did, I did treat myself to two steak pies. Um, two, my girlfriend. Um, it was yeah, cold though, wasn't it? It was really cold. It was a bitter wind as well, to be honest. Um, but yeah, there was there, there, there wasn't there was there was some certain amenities that you would maybe expect to have that you couldn't get. So when when we got there, um, I, I made myself a coffee. Someone else made themselves a coffee, and then quickly emerged. That there was actually no milk, so I had not black <laughs> coffee. So one of the um, one of the agency guys that does, does United a lot, but also does a lot of Northwest Football League games. Told myself that I was being a Premier League prima donna by demanding milk. Milk is apparently now a luxury item. It's a luxury item, isn't it? Yeah, it is. A, it is a luxury item. It's twenty twenty four, you know. Not everyone can have milk. So, um, and that same person couldn't get on the internet and, and couldn't get electricity. It was only fair to point out that they are also luxury items in Wigan. And yeah, there was a bit of wait for the food, but you know we can't complain too much. And it's it's a you know, it's an away day. So uh, even when you're working at a pie we'll will do the job. United play a strong team.
0: You know, you've got three games this month now. Got Wigan, got uh, Tottenham this weekend, obviously got the FA Cup game against Newport or Eastleigh as well. Um, United won't full strength, as we all expected. I think we're going to try and bring this loosely now onto, onto sort of transfers and gossip, because I guess with this podcast being a bit, like we said, rough and ready, a bit loose. Fast and loose, we can uh, sort of talk about them in a more colloquial sense and that like was a bit more informal. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest news is we, as we record this on the Wednesdays, it looks like Sancho is finally, finally set to join Dortmund this week. Obviously, the actual terms of the deal are yet to be finalised, but you know, it'll be an, an initial loan at the very least. I mean, we've said in the past, you know... It's not going to prove too much because he's already been there and done that at Dortmund. But in terms of Sancho himself, do you think he's going to go down as one of the worst ever United signings?
2: Um, I would say that he's, I mean, you can put him in that bracket, but I think he's actually losing that mark to Anthony at the moment, which is, is not great if we're having a conversation about two players in the current squad who are arguably signed to play the same position. I mean, it's it's taken ages to get this deal over the line. The exact nature of the hold-off. Like, it's entirely sure, but Dortmund were saying back in the last week that they were hoping Sancho would be in Spain over the weekend. And and obviously, it's it's dragged on until the Wednesday. It looks like it is going to get done now. I mean, it is one of those. I, I I mean, Dortmund are the only ones really winning. I think out of this. I don't I don't really see what anyone else is gaining. I mean, if Sancho goes to Dortmund and plays well, then everyone said, well, yeah, he played he played well there before he came to United, and he was he was. Pretty poor at United, so it's not it's not going to prove anything to United. He so might not play so players. well at United, try and sign him again. Possibly, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise you.
0: That be a new level to of, bring him back. Yeah, that'd be a new level of embarrassment, wouldn't it? They pay <laughs> well, multi millions to terminate the loan early. Maybe they've got a fee
2: in that. Yeah, I mean, nothing would surprise you, it'd be fair to say. But if it comes there, if, if Ten Hag survives and if he does, it's fair to say Sancho is is done at United. I don't. I don't think any Premier League club is going to look at a Dormant and think he's proven something there because he's already done it and then flopped in the Premier League. So, I don't. Do you don't think, think there's an element there then
0: that it is almost kicking the can down the road? Because as he said, there there is still this element of of uncertainty regarding Ten Hag. I mean, there's no indication of anything imminent on on his future, and obviously we've got the Ineos stuff it's still bubbling away, waiting to be fully signed off. But does it not strike you as sort of kicking the can down the road? And then you look back at, you look in the summer and say, well, there could be a new manager who might fancy Sancho. You know, we can provisionally say he's for sale in the summer, but look, there's still the possibility that a new manager comes in and, and he does get a chance.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's definitely that. And also just getting rid of him for now, basically. I mean, he's, he's obviously a a problem in a way, but he's training on his own, using the academy building it. It's not an ideal circumstance. United are still paying in to do nothing, essentially. So at least they are recouping some money this way. The fact that it is a loan that I don't really, beyond the financial element, I don't think really suits United or, for me, suits Sancho because the risk is there for him. If he goes to Dortmund and flops for six months tonight, people are going to say he's finished and you know he's, he's a busted flush. So I think it is kicking the can down the road. It's given United the chance to reassess if there's a new manager in the summer, it's saving them some money until the summer and we know things are pretty tight financially so they could do with that. So I think it is just a case of the first possible deal this month, get it done. And I don't think he was ever likely to be sold in, in January because his value is, is so low and it's not, it's not a great market for, for making sales. So I guess if Ten Hag stays, the hope is he does play well and someone is convinced to take a gamble.
0: Yeah, and I guess sometimes even, you know, if he goes there, has a bit of an epiphany, gets his confidence back, maybe he will come back with his le- sort of tail between his legs, and he could apologise. I mean, it certainly feels inevitable that he will leave at some point. But you know, stranger things have happened, and you only have to look at like the likes of McTominay and McGuire in the United side this season. They both looked written off. I know it's different circumstance, but they both looked destined to never play again, and they've been integral to. The very few things good about United this season. Um, in terms of other transfers, then just a brief one on this: United are set to. Well, they're in. A, they're in talks to sign Callan McKenna, young seventeen-year-old goalkeeper from Queens Park in Scotland. Rangers also interested. In him, I'm sure we'll give it a sexy sort of title when it when it happens. My United sign goalkeeper in January transfer window, probably the day when Arnold goes to Afcon. We'll get, a, you know, that's the way to do it, isn't it? But McKenna will come in. He'll go into the youth setup. It's one of those where someone who's highly rated at youth level doesn't always transpire to be someone who who then goes and does something at first team level. wants to keep an eye on though. and yeah, maybe evidence that you know United are still looking to overhaul their their youth academy and still looking to bring in the best homegrown talent there, which again, rhymes true of everything we've heard that Sir Jim Ratcliffe wants to do at United at at senior level as well. So perhaps there are lessons to be learned there because if you look at United's recruitment at youth level in recent years, I mean, we're looking at Garnacho, what was that? £100,000 compensation. You look at other players that they've taken, they've got the Fletcher twins obviously back involved now. You look at Someone like Joe Hugel, who they got from Sunderland, who's very highly rated, could become the 250th uh, Academy player to make a senior debut for the club. Although that's been disputed. Did you see this on social media, Ty? It's been disputed by that uh, the Academy expert of, of United on on social media who, who reckons it's 253 debutants already. Um, apparently, United don't count appearances in the Anglo-Italian Cup. As a, oh, okay. So there's a bit of a discrepancy there. But basically... United have an incredible, illustrious history of bringing through yeah. U- team players, and that continued obviously with Forson's appearance at the start of the week. In terms of our transfers, I mean, Timo Werner was one that was loosely linked with United. We're probably be playing against him at Old Trafford on Sunday.
2: Yeah, that means that means a guaranteed goal, doesn't it? It's, I mean, it's a great story that he's gone to Tottenham, isn't it? When he was linked to United, and the fact they are playing him this weekend, I mean, Tottenham, Tottenham creates so many chances, and United give up so many chances that. I can see it. You, you've got the. I think you're going on. You? I think you've got the. Yes, the portion of being there. while well, I'm. I'm off to Newcastle again to cover and <laughs> to come and see. But I can see it being a belting game because Tottenham's high line is a gift to be United. And Tottenham creates so many chances yeah. against the team that gives up so many chances. It could be four all with Merde getting all four yeah. potentially. But I, think, I don't think he was ever a really realistic candidate for United. You know, I, I don't. I think the possibility of signing players alone or a player alone hasn't been ruled out this window. But that is all it's going to be. And I think it will be a cheap loan. I, I don't know the ins and outs, but I imagine Werner was a a relatively expensive loan in the grand scheme of things. If it if it is a loan, it's more like someone like Eric Mackin promoting. I would think there's you know there's he's been linked. There's there's nothing in that at the moment. We were told the other night it's not you know it's it's not anything that's that's reached a level where where people know about it. If it's if it if it's brewing, it's brewing very very slowly, but. I think the only the only possibility is a loan, but I don't think it's gonna be someone of Werner's stature. And I guess he still has got a stature, just a bag, despite pre-rotten time at Chelsea. If they could do with a goal score and get a few more goals, flowing mean, triple voting there would be would, would certainly fit in that like Egal of the cost mould when they know he's done a ride at Bayern. But um but I think that you know, any United fans pinning their hopes on a, a, a decent January and splashing the cash, it just ain't gonna happen. There is there is no money to splash, it would be fair to say. FFP is a a major issue, and these Premier League rules are a major issue for, for United. Exactly how close, no one seems to know. My financial experts have different views of whether they're actually in a world of trouble or whether they've got... I uh, would put it back to the Champions League, actually, we had about 30 million this year, a lot of which would have been eaten up by going out of Europe. Um, yeah. but, but either way, they, they cannot afford really to be signing anyone unless it is a pretty cheap loan this month so I think that's without wishing to kill to kill our golden Goof for shots <laughs> the window with, with 20 a still to go there's not a lot that's going to happen.
0: No, exactly. Uh, Reminder as well. If you want more transfer stuff, uh, editor Seb has got a video going out on YouTube tomorrow where he's rating all of Ten Hag's signings since he took charge. So that'll be on YouTube. Um, it's an in-depth look at each of Ten Hag's sixteen signings and how our producer Seb ranks them from their performances to date. All detailed against their expected levels and the number of appearances they've made. So yeah, keep your eyes on YouTube, Manchester News, uh, Manchester's Red for that on Thursday morning. It'll be out.
1: Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Welcome back then to the Midweek Manchester is Red podcast. Rough and ready is what we're calling it. Um, Takeover latest tie, like we said, still bubbling away in the background. Brailsford and Jean-Claude Blanc were both at Wigan. We've seen David Gill as well sort of making himself a bit more publicly known again in, in recent weeks. Uh, indications are you have to see it as a positive that, you know, they've got these key figures looking at what's happening at the club, looking to try and solve some of these reoccurring problems. Should we start with Brailsford and Jean-Claude Blanc then? Of course, we expect them both to have quite big roles in this new look of, of United. Do you see that as, as excitement or do you still have a bit of trepidation about the, the extent of the change we
2: can expect to see? I mean, my my biggest takeaway. We, we were sat. They were sat just behind the press box, actually, on on Monday nights. We had a, a fairly decent view of them taking their seats. And my biggest takeaway was your blog is an unbelievably handsome man. If I look that way at <laughs> sixty, sign me up. I take that at fifty, to be honest. Um, yeah, it, if he gets the chief executive job, I think it would be the the this is this is the like the the, the the twenty rankings that we haven't yet seen the most handsome chief executives in the Premier League, maybe. And I think well
0: obviously there was that story wasn't there the other week that Jaden sancho was on the united calendar why didn't they just do a jean claude blanc hunk calendar sell that in the oh, that, mega store that's that what would, there, that there's your 30
2: million pounds shortfall of a, a certain age well not even a certain age of female fans to be fair i mean i'm not I'm, even I'm talking, female i'm talking for women here, which is a dangerous game but i imagine there's there's a lot that would buy a jean claude blanc calendar he has um yeah he he is um he is a, a handsome a handsome french man and would I imagine he would add something to the Premier League meetings if he um, if he gets that job. But yeah, on, on a more on a slightly more serious note, I mean he's he's clearly got a lot of experience at big clubs, so I, I guess it'd be a a decent appointment. He's he's got more football. It's a, if he got the chief exec job, it's a clear shift from finance to football in that role, isn't it? From from Woodward and Arnold, and even Patrick Stewart into him to someone whose background is working that role. At, at football clubs you know, he's done it at PSG he's done it at UV so he he knows the lay of the land in terms of football rather than commercial aspects the I mean the Brailford thing I still can't really get my head around to be honest I'm mean, intrigued to see how that pans out I know he, he was brilliant with British cycling but that is cycling um, but there was the point out the obvious there's, there's not a lot of crossover I think he's admitted he doesn't know a lot about football he kind of he feels to me like and this is going back a while so hopefully others remember but So Clive Woodward after he won the Rugby World Cup with England in 2003 like did he go to the FA or Southampton wasn't it yes yeah maybe the FA he did a few different sports and it was kind of like he became this like oh he was brilliant at England and the RFU and you know beyond performance got the culture right and went to other sports and it It didn't quite work like this super sport guru thing. Yeah,
0: well, to bring an anecdotal sort of evidence into it is, Wrexham signed Brian Hughes. We we Brian Hughes our manager who had no managerial experience. He'd been, the, he'd been the assistant manager at Scarborough. Club, great. So he got, that, got on that technicality, I suppose. But his only sort of management experience was he was the head of foot golf in the UK. And he's gone down as the worst ever Rexa manager because if it wasn't for that COVID season, we would have got relegated. And it was only the points per game thingy <laughs> that's, that kept us up. So foot golf to football is not a transferable skill, we learn. So maybe cycling to football isn't going to be transferable either. But yeah, marginal gains and all that. I think the thing is, United need
2: much bigger than marginal yeah, gains, don't they? That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, marginal is not going to cut it much. Like it, it? it needs to be substantial gains. And, you know, maybe maybe you will prove to be some sort of like organisational genius in terms of, of sorting out a structure and, and knowing what's what like say he was a, a, a team sky even a British cycling when when they were winning all the medals he clearly got the culture and the standards right but that was his wheelhouse and it's, it's a big change to go to somewhere like Manchester United where maybe not everyone who works for the club is singing from the same hymn sheet mm. but you know at least they're, they're having a go they're having a good look at the structure he's clearly got the trust of, of such Jim Ratcliffe as Brailsford so it'll be interesting to see how these things pan out and what his sort of long-term involvement is. But, you know, I, I know there's a feel good factor around at the moment with, with Ineos and the takeover, and how clearly they're going to bring around improvements from the Glazers. But I am intrigued to see how the whole Brailsford thing goes because this, you know, this feels like a huge job for someone, even if he's just kind of overseeing this review, this audit of football operations. It's a big job for someone who's who's yeah. really previously with cycling. I mean,
0: yeah, a lot it's more it's scrutiny possible. as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot more
0: scrutiny in terms of it, because yeah, in the be. nicest possible sense, it, cycling isn't, it's not going to be a back page story every single day. Manchester United, the front page and back page. You, obviously, you know, the, there's exceptions when you get to the Tour de France, you get scandals, etc. And you get certain insane achievements that, that can transcend that but just the daily scrutiny of united it's such a bigger operation so much more sort of global interest in, in what's happening there but yeah it's got to be a, a real test for them uh, david gill being spotted as well recently what do you make of United's sort of attempts to well not the, the, the attempts maybe but the it's it's a dangerous path to tread isn't it being this linked in with nostalgia still because united are so often criticized of being a Team stuck in the past. I know when Solshaw is there and he's having pictures of Ferguson, etc., you just always sense that, you know, Fergie's presence at the club isn't itself has often maybe taken you know, it's always been maybe a bit of a an unwelcome distraction for for managers And if you not want to truly move on, do you just need to move on from the whole previous hierarchy or or is there
2: still an element that you need to tap into? I I, I think that probably the, the... A million dollar question in a way and it's such a fine line to tread i mean we see Brailsford now in successive games sit next to fergie and then sit, sit next to david gill and like I say there's there's an immense amount of knowledge about manchester united within those two people but it's knowledge of manchester united from 11 years ago at the very best really um so how much of it is still relevant is is dependent and like I say it's this is the, This is the criticism of the United that they are living off nostalgia now that it is all about history. none of it is irrelevant anymore. It's, it's history, it's roll out the old figures, this you know even if kind of football committee that they've had at Carrington recently with Ferguson involved in meetings and, and giving his thoughts on players and things like that. It's, it, it feels like is any of it relevant because the, the game has has moved on um. You know, on Sunday morning, before we started drinking on Sunday morning, we had League retro on at my mate's house and it was um, it was United versus City from, I think, oh 0- oh eight oh nine, 09. And even just watching it there, like the difference in the, of the game now in terms of the speed and the pressing and how it's played, it, it felt, you know, it felt very different. And that's 15 years ago, maybe. It, it, it felt like things had changed so much and you, you wonder how much of it is relevant. I mean... The great thing about David Gill, I guess, is he, he kind of knows that how much of the chief exec job change. Hard to say, but his, his contact book is amazing. Clearly he's he's worked within the FA, within FIFA. He's, he, he's probably still got a great contact book and I'm sure he has got advice to lean on, but I think Ineos need to be aware of the dangers of going down this kind of salt Star route of just bringing back the old boys, getting the band back together, this kind of thing. Because we, we have seen that it, it it doesn't really work, and it, the game has moved on. It's not about nostalgia now. We involve them where possible, but don't don't solely rely on on these people who who made United a success fifteen years ago. Because doing the same things as they did fifteen years ago probably ain't going to work.
0: Exactly, and that's why we've launched a new podcast because you know things <laughs> need to change. Um, join us for part three. We'll take a brief look ahead to the game against Tottenham. No one covers Manchester United quite like the Manchester Evening News. And through our MUFC Pro app, you can support our journalism and become part of our United community. Getting the best experience ad-free, pop-up free and distraction free as well. Giving you the best news and interviews, great features and much more. Now is the perfect time to subscribe as we've just launched a special New Year offer which includes MEM Premium for just £12 for 12 months. Download the app and get started today. Hello, welcome back to the Rough and Ready Manchester's Red Podcast. I'm Rich Faye, joined by Terry Marshall. Ready I mean, I maybe
2: yeah, let may the listeners listen decide, decide on that one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a uh, don't want to be throw my uh, my my sort of name into either of those camps at this moment in time. Um, sort them of this weekend, then. Sir so Jim Ratcliffe could be in attendance. We, I think we reported earlier in the month, even last month, that it looked the most likely of the games he'd, he'd probably attend this month, if, if any of them. Uh, you know, I don't want to put on a show, you know, try and, like you said, I reckon it'll be a, a sort of one of these basketball games where both teams will score three goals minimum almost. I can imagine actually that it'll suit United's front line pretty well. I think Rashford and Hoyland getting in behind if they can sort of do what they did to Villa and get in behind that that high line, I think they will have have a lot of joy. Yeah, what are you expecting this weekend? You already touched upon it that you know Werner to score is, is guaranteed. What what else are we expecting? Get that on your better builder.
2: Um, yeah uh, I, I like you said I think I think it adds up to a really great game and the fact that I'm doing City on Saturday and I've got Sunday off means I can take my four-year-old to a birthday party at half past three for two hours on Sunday, so we won't actually see <laughs> that much of it and all these. So, so look forward to it's, Ty's insight on Monday morning, Mattresses um, Red listeners. Yes, yeah. But I want on Monday morning, I might, I might be able to keep it around the second half, but we'll, we'll see about the first half, unless I sit in the corner of this birthday party and watch it on my phone, but that's, that's probably not not a great luck, but um, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the birthday is this one. Did you say this is
0: a birthday part of your own child or is this it's a, not? A no, 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 okay. no. I actually
2: missed that last year with tour. I was in America in Las Vegas on the United tour for my own child's birthday. He loves understand stand so, when he's eighteen. He'll forgive you. That's quite there's a bed in a spare room for those uh, <laughs> for they've watched. We're not watching we, Thankfully, I could, I could get back. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm attending someone else's birthday party this time. Make make it up for lost time. But, yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's got the recipe for a great game because, you know, that that Tottenham high line that we've seen so often this season is brilliant to watch. But Villa play a mad high line, and United got past that so so easily. You'd expect Tottenham to put a bit more pressure on the ball, but as soon as there's not pressure on the ball, to you know, to to, to boil tactics down to something very simple, tell Fernandez to smack it over the top, and tell Rashford and show to run. And the, yeah. that they're getting behind. You feel like as long as the time they're on well, it, it feels like there's chances in it for United. But my my biggest issue with United this year has been mostly the sheer number of shots and chances they give up to the opposition. I, you know, I, I, in a way, I feel like they're fortunate to be eight the number of opportunities they give away at times. Yeah, and Tottenham create a lot. Devoted, I got song, which is is harming them a bit. But Werner will bring that pace and. And I just feel like both teams are going to create a lot of chances and that it could be a, a really, really entertaining game. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think it is
0: good. it's going to be chaos. I'm not even organised chaos. I do just think it could be who outscores the other on the day. But I've got I've got a good feeling about United. I just think it's going to be one of those games where look, Rashford could do something decent. We could see Rashford from last season where, you know, he could just run at defence, have a lot of chances. And again, I do think that, I think that, Oddly, there is going to be a game where, look, if United score early on, they could score four or five against a team. I think there could still be a big United win this season that's kind of out of the blue. And then the next week, they'll inevitably drop points against someone they really should be beating. But I do think there's going to be a game at some point where United even if it's just in 90 minutes where everything sort of clicks and we could be like, wow, this is United. They're back, baby. Real Ferdinand starts going crazy again. Where does 10? I want his statue, you know, <laughs> United are up to seventh. Wow. Watch out city. We're coming for you. <laughs> but I do think there's that type of win at some point. I, I think it's coming. I mean, it might be easily away, it might be easily <laughs> away where everything clicks, it's but, but yeah, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting one to, to see in, in that regard. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess United fans would be interested to at least see Ratcliffe in attendance as well if he does end up going to the game this weekend. I suppose that that has been a big issue, hasn't it, throughout the the Glazers reign is that they just haven't been present figures at, at matches. And I guess an easy win for Ratcliffe, no matter how much change is implemented, is just to go to Old Trafford as often as you can.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I, I wonder if he knows the way after all those years at the Bridge with the Chelsea season ticket. <laughs> and, um, no, obviously, you know, he, 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 I've I, been facetious there. I think the whole Chelsea season ticket thing was 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 blown up out of proportion by some online fans. It would be fair to say, is that successful businessman he is. I imagine a club like Chelsea is a pretty good club to to do business at, it would be fair to say. So I don't think there's any doubt he is genuine with his support of United. He's, he's from the North West. So, um, yeah you know, like,
0: it like is say, sometimes it, made out though that he's he used to sort of run a corner shop on sort of up busy way or something isn't it
2: yeah yeah maybe it's oversold at times yeah i don't think he was you know i don't think he was ever selling programs or anything like that was he but um you know he is he is a local lad and done done very good it'd be fair to say so um you know so i, I think his, his support is there and how how passionate or not you know, who knows? I don't think he was a regular on the open yeah. coach well, I think almost as
0: well. Sometimes, I know you want people who have the best interests of the club at heart, but you also don't want an owner who is too maybe emotionally invested because that's how you can lead to rash decisions of sacking managers, getting rid of players. You need to have that level-headed sort of business critique, which obviously he's got to get to this position where he is now. But I do think this uh, sort of ideology of, oh, this former player should be manager or we should get this former player to own the club or something. It's, you know... It, it, sometimes that can almost damage it because you just need, as we've said, sort of bring on from part two, you just need that clean slate and that fresh insight, I think, into a club without that emotional attachment or without those previous expectations of, of what happened
2: before you. So, yeah, yeah okay. I think, go on. I mean the, 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 I mean, the one area of maybe perhaps concern with that is that he's clearly waiting a long time to own United and wants to leave an impression on his boyhood club, but he is 70. Um, you know, this is this is coming later in life. There's, there's been a very clear change of tack with Ratcliffe. That, that ten years ago there was profiles on him that would say he's the richest man in Britain that no one's ever heard of. People he was a he was a he was described as a reclusing features ten years ago. And suddenly there's been this passion to get involved very heavily with sport. You know, both of the Mercedes F1 team, they've done the Americas Cup with Ben Ainsley, the cycling team now United. There's clearly a desire to suddenly leave a mark and. I think he said, "I can't remember if was in an interview or in his book, but to kind of maximise the number of days that are unforgettable." But like I say, he is seventy. It doesn't leave him an awful lot of time, I guess, to make an impact. What more? But into the podcast, this is. Well, I mean, maybe maybe he'll live to one hundred and ten. He's he's clearly a very fit guy, and he you know he can afford his bit. Not Jean so Claude he, Blanc, though, is he? He's not a Jean Claude Blanc. No, no. Um, but he's probably not after seventy. You know, they'd, they'd make a... They'd make a decent double act, you'd say, and need the, the owner-chief. Maybe they're you know, rough the, and ready. Director's <laughs> box, they could be rough and ready. Yeah, yeah, quite definitely, quite definitely. But yeah, I like I say, you know, I mean, Racker could have pulled his vitamins, he could lift be 110 and have, and have a long time left, but it, it, it feels like it's fairly old to be buying 25% of a football club and he will. I think it's clear he's desperate to make an impact. So just on terms of the passion point, I'm sure i will bring plenty of it, but I think he will want it He's clearly a very sensible street businessman, but I think he'll want to move things along quickly as well so that he can maximise the number of days that are unforgettable at Old Trafford
0: yeah well we shall see if there's another one of those this weekend against Tottenham a reminder the Manchester is Red podcast will be back as normal on Friday with Samuel and Stephen they'll mop up what else happens between now and then and they'll give you a more comprehensive look ahead to that game against Tottenham this weekend of course please do make make sure you subscribe to the Manchester is Red feed if you haven't already we'll be having podcasts on Monday Wednesday and Friday throughout this month maybe even further beyond that depending on the appetite and that leads us to the feedback let us know how you found today's podcast please do leave us an honest review actually not an honest review just give us five stars that makes it a lot easier and boosts our own ego yeah thank you very much for joining us i've been rich faye thank you tyro marshall thank you thank you Richard. and thank you once again for listening a reminder as well check out youtube on thursday morning producer seb's rating of all of 10 hog signings will be out there in video form take care and we'll see you again next time